Guys, last week I had a serious issue with not having enough hotel rooms at one of my couple's wedding venues. It literally was a nightmare and I thought I was going to be sick. Luckily, we were able to add some more rooms to the block out of nowhere, but this situation just goes to show you that the wedding hotel rooms can be a really great source of stress and anxiety for many couples just like you. So today, I am talking to Daniel Carroll of Invictus Travel Advisors, and he is sharing with us some major insider tips when it comes to booking your hotel room block that even I didn't know, and I've been doing this for a really long time. These are tips that your hotels don't want you to know, so make Make sure you listen closely and come back to the episode show notes because these are super, super good and juicy. This one's a good one, guys. So without further ado, let's roll the interview. You're listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Hey guys, it's Desiree. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to thank the sponsors of our podcast. The first sponsor is Lovestream. Lovestream is a one-way, high-definition, high-quality way to stream your wedding and help your guests feel like they're part of the audience at your wedding, even if they're just sitting on their couch at home. They just click your personal URL and they're able to watch without logging in, downloading an app, or messing with their microphone or camera settings. It's designed to be as easy to use for your grandma as it is for all your techie friends. If you want to interact with your guests after your ceremony, Lovestream also offers a Zoom reception option. And for any of you all that are planning a destination wedding after the pandemic, they now offer all-inclusive live streaming destination wedding packages. I really like Lovestream because the platform is so easy to use for any size wedding. They also give you guys, the couples, plenty of attention and help. You can talk with their team and have a meeting before you buy, and they also have a live chat function on their website, which I think is awesome. Any website that has live chat is the best, and they'll answer any question you have before you book or even after. To get 10% off any Lovestream package, visit verveventco.com backslash lovestream and enter the code ASK10, that's A-S-K-10, for 10% off. Again, that's verveventco.com backslash lovestream and use our code ASK10 for 10% off any Lovestream virtual wedding package. The next sponsor of our podcast is Zola. Zola is the next generation of wedding registry, combining gifts, experiences, and cash funds all in one place. One of the things I love about Zola is that they seamlessly link your wedding website and registry. Also, after you set up your registry on Zola, they'll hold your gifts until you're ready to receive them. Maybe you live in the city in a small condo and don't have a ton of extra space like we did, or you're in the process of buying a home and don't want to move all of those gifts from your current place. Whatever it is, Zola won't send your packages until you're ready for them. And if you change your mind and don't want the gift, they make it super easy to get store credit and the gift giver will never know. 
No more driving to the store to get gift cards that you're going to forget anyways. Zola also makes group gifting super easy for bigger ticket items. Finally, Zola will give you 20% off any remaining gifts on your registry for six months after you say I do. This is way more than most other retailers who only let you use that kind of discount once. Zola lets you use it multiple times for six months. To start building your wedding website and registry, visit verveventco.com backslash Zola. The final sponsor of our podcast is another registry that my couples love, which is Honey Fund. Honey Fund helps couples realize their wedding and honeymoon dreams by allowing guests to contribute money towards once-in-a-lifetime experiences, down payments for your first home, and even your favorite charities, which I think is awesome. Guys, I say this all the time, but life is too short to waste it on moments without meeting. What better way to begin your life together as a newly married couple and the end of the pandemic than with the most amazing trip ever? My husband and I honeymooned in Italy and it is still one of our favorite experiences today and we've been married for almost 12 years. To get inspired and check out the most sought after honeymoon destinations, visit verveventco.com backslash honeyfund. And now on with today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of Ask the Planner. Today, we're talking with a special guest about how to hack your wedding room block. Your room block or your hotel block is an important aspect of your wedding that should definitely not be overlooked. For almost all weddings, some percentage of its guests will be from out of town. So today, we're talking with an expert about all the things you should consider when looking for and booking a place to stay for your wedding room guests. So who is today's guest? Daniel Carroll is co-founder and CEO of Invictus Travel Advisors, a boutique travel agency based in Los Angeles, California, but serving a global clientele. He was raised in Ithaca, New York, and graduated from Cornell University's School of Hotel Administration. After college, Daniel gained experiences with companies like the Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, and most recently, Hilton. In addition to Invictus, he spends his 9 to 5 hours as Director of Business Development at Tidal Management Consulting, empowering companies to improve the results of their sales efforts by utilizing Tidal's automation and AI technologies. Guys, please help me welcome Daniel to the show. Daniel, thanks so much for joining me today. I can't wait to talk to you. Desiree, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So first, I love starting each episode getting to know our guests a little bit before we dive into the interview. So I read your bio at the top, but I'd love for you to tell our listeners in your own words a little bit more about you, how you got started, and brought you to where you are today. Absolutely. So obviously became really interested in hospitality at a young age. After attending Cornell, it really solidified that the sales mm-hmm. and marketing slash event planning sphere was really a match for me. And so after working with a bunch of different hotel companies, unfortunately was presented with the COVID-19 pandemic and sort of reevaluated what I wanted to do with my life, where I wanted to go, landed on this travel agency and founding that with one of my good friends, my co-founder, Risa Fromsky. So we sort of mm-hmm. tackled this together and it's been a whirlwind journey since day one. That is so interesting. I love that you, because I'm, you know, I'm from New York and I feel like if people don't know, I don't know how they don't know, but in the events, hospitality industry, Cornell's hospitality school is like one of the top and most amazing. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you knew you wanted to go into the hospitality arena? Absolutely. So 
I actually had the unique advantage that my mother worked at Cornell University. So I sort of Mm -hmm. grew up on that school's campus. And Mm -hmm. originally I went to college in Baltimore, Maryland at a really small liberal arts school, a psychology major, but always knew I wanted to kind of connect psychology into the consumer behavior sphere of Mm -hmm. business. And so after my freshman year, I actually decided why not just go into business and do a business Mm -hmm. major. One of Mm -hmm. my dad's close friends was a graduate from the hotel school. And I remember having a conversation with him about how the degree specifically is focused in business and it's Mm -hmm. a theme towards hospitality rather Mm -hmm. than other schools that are predominantly a hospitality operations focused major Mm -hmm. and business is sort of more of an afterthought in those kinds Mm -hmm. of programs. So I really Mm -hmm. was attracted to the program initially because it was a business education. So even if I graduated and wasn't completely sure I wanted to do specifically hotels, I really kind of had the world as my oyster. Oh, nice. Wait, what school was the school that you went to in Baltimore? I'm just curious. It was called Goucher College. My sister went there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I mean, it's very, very small. So, and I went to like, I lived in uh, Washington, D.C. for a long time, but it's just like a, it's a very small, it is a liberal arts school. So it's just very different, but it's hilarious that you went there. So, do you feel like it was really great for the sciences? But as a business major, I just felt like for networking, I just needed sort of like a large university. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, 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 I would agree with that. She was actually like a dance and piano and minor in French or something. But it was a, it's a very you know different campus. And then do you feel like, was it at the school that you got interested in the group sales and travel aspect? Or is that at a different time? I sort of found my way into sales by working mm-hmm. in front desk initially. I would interface with the sales department and was always mm-hmm. just so fascinated with what they do and how they find business for the property and mm-hmm. all of the strategy that goes into pricing hotel rooms and things like that. And then I really focused that energy academically in school by taking a lot of classes in marketing or on the mm-hmm. hotel side. And then all of my internship experiences were sales yeah. focused. Gosh, sales is like the opposite of what I love. <laughs> It just like <laughs> makes me so nervous. And then, so do you feel like that there are other experiences that you had growing up that kind of were signs that you would have been, that you would have really liked the sales and marketing aspect? Or do you feel like, and you know, how does that affect like your role at Invictus? Yeah. So I think growing up as a, even just as a young kid, I think now in in hindsight, it makes total sense that I went to sales. Mm-hmm. I was like the most extroverted kid you could possibly meet. <laughs> I also was just involved in a bunch of different activities. I was always always mentioning to my family that I had like 15 different friend groups at school <laughs> and none of them were really like able to mix because I right. myself, just I felt like I'm a very dynamic person and mm-hmm. I'm friends with like the, the right. kids who, you know, they go on their four wheeler on the weekends. And then I had my swim team friends and I also mm-hmm. was a violin player, but like mm-hmm. my friends who grew up in like the country and, you know, road horses and things like that weren't really mixing with my friends who were in orchestra, right. but I always did. So I think that was kind of like a, a signal yeah. and really great skill just innately as a kid. And then kind of focusing that forward, my first internship in sales was at the Conrad Indianapolis, mm-hmm. which is a Hilton hotel. And I just felt like everything was completely unlocked in that experience. I just took Mm -hmm. to sales really quickly. I understood the pricing and the contracting phases really easily because of my academic background at Cornell. And it just sort Mm -hmm. of like hit that puzzle piece of like the rest of my education was on the business Mm -hmm. side. So I easily understood, you know, why we price things a certain way or Mm -hmm. how to estimate demand and kind of what that means for the process. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. I feel like I'm the opposite. I mean, I had like lots of friend groups, but I feel like people that are really good at sales and then enjoy it are able to go to different 
groups and just be able to feel comfortable with all of them and then to make them feel comfortable too, which I think is super important. So yeah. And and do you feel like that's, you know, that's kind of like the role that you have at Invictus too? Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. a lot of our clients, obviously being a new startup, it first started Mm -hmm. with friends and family and, you Mm -hmm. know, close connections. But I think that the one kind of aspect of hospitality that's just so important is how you mentioned, you know, making other people feel comfortable. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. have not utilized a travel agent before. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't really know what a meeting planner can do for you if Mm -hmm. you're considering a room block or, you know, Mm -hmm. in the initial phases of a wedding or Mm -hmm. social event or even a corporate meeting sometimes. And so making them feel comfortable in that interaction of it's okay to not fully understand things or it's okay to have a thousand different questions. And that really gets back to, you know, hospitality, being hospitable, you know, if someone's coming over to your home asking them questions about their life, making them feel Mm -hmm. included in the conversation or, you know, using your sort of like sixth sense of the, you know, unspoken wants and needs of somebody and understanding, you know, their nonverbal cues. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. So obviously you were with different hotel companies and they're they're very broad and far reaching. But, you know, as far as like the luxury aspect of planning an event and, you know, just again, like making your guests or your people perspective buyers comfortable. Do you feel like that has also shaped what you do at Invictus as far as like the luxury aspect and like being able to help people and offering like this white glove service to them? Absolutely. So my very first internship in college was with Four Seasons at their property in Baltimore. And that was kind of where I familiarized myself with luxury. And the Mm -hmm. one takeaway that I took was they had a three-step system when mm-hmm. dealing with any guests that walked through our doors. And step one was get it right in terms of mm-hmm. your job. And mm-hmm. then it was get me right in terms of personalizing what you do to each mm-hmm. guest. And then mm-hmm. the third step was wow me if you can. So it's always mm-hmm. adding something that's sort of a flair. And I think I've really mm-hmm. taken that in stride every single day ever since that very first internship. Yeah. And I think it's just so relevant in everything that you possibly do. And then a little further from that too was mm-hmm. when I was working at a different Conrad, but the property in New York, one of the senior managers who works specifically with travel agents, her name was Allison Cress, And she said something in the office one day that also really spoke to me. And it was that true luxury doesn't scream, it whispers. So when you're okay. having those interactions in a luxury environment, mm-hmm. it's not that it's not luxury because someone says it's luxury. It's luxury right. because you put the correct actions into it and it's not ever mm-hmm. too much. It's mm-hmm. personalized to you. And I think that those kind of, you know, two learnings um, really go mm-hmm. hand in hand and are just the essence of everything that I do. Oh my God, I love that so much. And I think it's so true that you know, when I was when I worked in Washington, DC and I worked at properties like the Hilton, like the the Four Seasons or the Ritz, like it was just like you walk in and you just feel like you're gonna be taken care of. Like the staff are very, very they're not in your face, but they're there when you need them. Like they're like almost not hovering, but they're like there in anticipation of what you could possibly need. And again, it's just that being able to anticipate and then being able to serve your customers in a not overt super in your face way, but just making sure that they're feeling comfortable is I think it just really it enforces how you don't have to be in your face with somebody to make sure that they're having a nice luxury experience. It's all about the subtleties and in the way you present it, the way you approach it and the way you treat them. So I love that. I love that so much. Absolutely. That reminds me of just my initial experience as being mm-hmm. a server and reading all of the different nonverbal cues of the people in your mm-hmm. restaurant. And I, I just remember mm-hmm. it's like from across the room, 
even to this day, I can see that uh, the facial expression of the I'm looking for something and I don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a server, you're immediately going over to that person and saying, oh, what can yeah. I help you find? And they're always sometimes, yeah. you know, pleasantly taken aback. It's how did you know, like immediately the right. second I am, right. you know, looking for the restroom or I need a menu or, you know, mm-hmm. there's no fork on the table, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. And I think that's really what personalized service comes down to. Oh my gosh. I feel like we talk about this forever, but we're going to, today we're talking about room blocks and hotel blocks, which is also very important, but we will get to that in another time. I think the whole luxury experience and just creating a nice experience for your guests in general. Okay. So today we're going to get to talking about hacking the wedding room block for your guests. And you know, I feel like when it comes to weddings, there are two types of couples when it comes to the hotel rooms or what we call in the industry lodging or housing. And the first kind is the ones that don't really think about the hotel room block a lot. They're just like, they're kind of more basic. They're like, okay, we need like one or two, maybe three hotels and we'll find someone, you know, we'll just send like a random email and be like, hey, can we have a, we're having a wedding. Can we have like some rooms? But they don't ask for any benefits or upgrades for their guests. They're just very basic, I think. And then the second couple is like, a little bit more hyper about it. They're like, we need all these different options. We need Airbnbs. We need all these places on our list. And they have like these huge spreadsheets tracking where people are staying. And then it just becomes a little bit stressful. You know, they're like noting where everyone's staying, wherever, you know, they become like the room block manager of all of their guests, which I feel like is very overwhelming and not so fun. And, you know, the thing is there's, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. However, I do think that both types are missing out on certain things and they're not necessarily creating the best experience for them or for their guests. So, and I think that's where your company comes in and we're going to get to that too. But, you know, today we're going to talk about your real expert insider knowledge, which I'm super excited to hear about, about how to make the lodging and reservation process as a whole so much easier and more enjoyable for our couples. So, I think today you have four tips you're going to share with us. And so, Daniel, let's get to the first tip. What is your first tip or insider secret on what our listeners should be doing or asking when they book their wedding room block? I think that the number one priority would be protecting yourself financially for any kind of an event that has emotional Mm -hmm. backing, which a wedding absolutely does. Um, You want to really minimize any kind of, you know, negative aspects of it. So, There are two different kinds of room blocks that you can book with a hotel. One where you would be held to an attrition percentage, which is basically a minimum revenue spend for your room block. So if you had a room Mm -hmm. block of 10 rooms and you signed 80% Mm -hmm. attrition, you at a minimum would have to pay the hotel 80% of that room revenue that's in your contract. So if you only booked seven people in the room block, you essentially would Mm -hmm. owe them the monetary amount of one room to bring you up to the 80%. So there's kind of another school Mm -hmm. of thought where if you're signing a room block with attrition, then Mm -hmm. you can realistically set that percentage if you know at least 80% of people will show up, that won't damage Mm -hmm. you. Again, Mm -hmm. if the numbers are a little bit unsure or you just want to be as safe as you possibly can, you can pursue Mm -hmm. a courtesy room block with Mm -hmm. the hotel where you are not held to any minimums at all. So either or could be the correct answer for what you're looking for. I usually recommend courtesy room blocks for people, Mm -hmm. especially if you're using multiple properties in case your guests prefer one over the, let's say Mm -hmm. three that you were contracting at. So most people don't know that a courtesy block is even an option when they're pursuing their room block contract and they'll kind of lean on the sales manager to Mm -hmm. recommend whatever is appropriate for them. 
behind the scenes is that sales managers achieve their revenue goals based on attrition. Mm -hmm. So if Mm -hmm. a sales manager is signing 80% attrition for your room block, they're getting credit for 80% of that room block. Mm -hmm. They get a lower percentage if it's a courtesy room block. So for me as a sales manager, in good faith, Mm -hmm. I will always recommend the product that's best for the customer, but mm-hmm. I, I think it would be a little bit naive to just assume that on the entire industry as a whole, <laughs> which is why I usually recommend the courtesy rather than signing an attrition number, unless you're absolutely sure that you'll be hitting those numbers. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But yeah, I completely agree, especially because like, you don't you want to be able to financially protect yourselves and you don't know, again, if there's a if there's a pandemic or something, you know, guests just don't, you know, can't travel or they they have Hilton points and you're, you have like a Marriott property, you know, they go stay somewhere else. You just want to make sure that you're protecting yourself as much as possible financially. So not agreeing to, you know, a, um, a contract with attrition in it, but re- instead of requesting the the courtesy block is definitely the right way to go. Awesome. This is a really great tip. Okay. So let's get your second tip. What's your second tip for our, our listeners? So my second tip will really come in handy for those that are super into gaining rewards points and free perks with their companies. Mm-hmm. So not many people know that you can contract a single, double, or even triple multiples of rewards points with most of the hotel companies, which will go to the planner. Mm-hmm. So... For me, I usually give the client the option of gaining the rewards points if they have a rewards account. But on top of that, if you contract, let's say, double points for a room block, if you have 100 Mm -hmm. rooms in your room block for a wedding, that's a pretty significant points bonus that you're getting. So let's then think about that from a honeymoon perspective. You are probably looking at even three nights of your honeymoon completely free Mm -hmm. from a hotel perspective. So that's always really significant and kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, gets at my, you know, number one thing in a room block is if you're contracting something, why would you not get all of the bonuses and benefits possible out of it? But Mm -hmm. not not too many people realize that they can actually gain points on rooms that they themselves are not even staying in from their contract. That is genius. I love that. That is so, so, because then, yeah, for sure, like if you know you're going to stay at, you know, the the four seasons in Hawaii, then hopefully you can get a block that can help you with those points. So that's really, really, really smart. Does it cost the hotel anything to give you those points? So, yes, there is a Mm -hmm. slight cost associated with that. Mm -hmm. What I've been seeing with the pandemic is a lot more companies are willing to do double and triple multiples of points just because they want to get business into their hotels. Mm -hmm. But that would be part of the negotiation step. And someone like me, who is constantly negotiating different contracts, would be able to handle that pretty neatly. But it's also a good thing to... You know, be aware of if you're going to negotiate your contract on your own, it should be part Mm -hmm. of the discussion of when you're finding pricing that's appropriate for what you're looking for. Oh my gosh, that is an awesome tip. Great tip. And then kind of along that line as a final note, because you mentioned Four Seasons, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Four Seasons does not have a rewards program. But if you stay at the Ritz-Carlton or Waldorf Astoria or something like that, those are part of Hilton and Marriott. So you would get that part. But unfortunately, FS is not there yet. One of those. One of those. I know. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder why they don't do that. But they're like, I just don't need it to. So maybe that's probably why. Guys, something to think about when you're booking your hotel rooms and your 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 honeymoon. Weigh Weigh the pros and cons. Right, for sure. Awesome. That was a great tip. So what is your next, your third tip for our listeners? So this one is actually pretty obvious, but I just like Mm -hmm. to restate it because it's an issue that I run into just all the time is book as early as you possibly can. 
And I think that that just needs to be reiterated even more now that we're kind of coming out of the pandemic because Mm -hmm. everybody is looking for weddings, Mm -hmm. event spaces, corporate meetings, demand is really picking up. So if Mm -hmm. you have a destination that you're looking at, you want to stay somewhere very specific, Mm -hmm. just do it as early as you possibly can just to make sure you're A, getting availability and B, getting the pricing that aligns with the budget that that you're working with. For sure. And do you feel like, because I know sometimes like when I, because my couples and I work together for, you know, 16, 18 months and then I'll, but the the hotels aren't available to book until like 11 months out. Do you recommend just saying like, hey, like sending them an email? Hey, I have a wedding on this date. We need a room block. When are you opening up? Especially because, you know, if they're like, well, we don't know how many we're going to need. And I guess if it's a, as if it's a courtesy block, then you can try to start with whatever the minimum is that they'll allow. But what do you recommend as far as like when you should be asking them and then how many rooms potentially? So I think that for most hotels, in my experience, mm-hmm. a year out is completely mm-hmm. doable. If you are mm-hmm. unsure of the amount of rooms, I would probably start with a courtesy block if they're mm-hmm. able to offer that mm-hmm. or just see the lowest percentage of attrition that you can possibly yeah. get out of them and just pick a number that you think is most realistic. So, you know, if yeah. you're you assume that, oh, we probably need around 40 rooms. I would contract 40 and see if they could, you know, do an attrition percentage that's, you know, in yeah. the 80, 80% range. Yeah. You recommend getting 40 rooms and then seeing how many they'd be willing to do, what kind of attrition clause they would do based on that 40. Is that what you said? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So going along with that, do you think that it's better to focus people's reservations on one or two hotels just so that you can try to get, you know, the most people at one or two hotels and people aren't so spread out. And then obviously like you'll have a better, I guess, like ability to negotiate because you are booking more rooms or do you feel like it's smarter to do more like three hotel properties depending on the cost? So if I were booking three hotels, it would, Mm -hmm. or recommending that a client book three different hotels, Mm -hmm. I would advise them to put them at different price ranges. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'll have, you know, clients that want to book something like a Conrad or a Waldorf Astoria or a Mm -hmm. Ritz Carlton. And then they'll also book a traditional Hilton or Marriott. And then we'll Mm -hmm. throw in an additional Hampton Inn or Doubletree or something like that. And it's just for, you know, obviously not all of your attendees, you know, Mm -hmm. want to spend the same amount of money on their accommodation. So that's where I would go about booking three hotels. But It is Mm -hmm. true that the larger amount of rooms, the more bargaining power you have with the property. So if you have a large wedding and you're splitting between two Mm -hmm. different hotels, that would give you a lot more freedom in the contracting phase. So I would definitely advise that if that's what they're looking for, if they want a lot more perks, I would say one to two hotels. And then Mm -hmm. add on a third, maybe a a 10 room courtesy block at a Hampton Inn or something like that, just so that you're providing all budget options. Right. I think that's a great idea. So yeah, focusing your efforts on one or one or two so you have like that that leverage and that buying power, I think is a really great tip. One thing, so like a follow-up to that is I found, you know, being in upstate New York, the properties are much smaller. I mean, they're part of the larger chains, but they often don't want to do an attrition clause. And I don't know why. And I've, I've asked, like, we're fine paying, you know, what we want because we know we're going to have a, a lot of guests and there aren't that many properties there. So we want everyone to actually have a room. Do you know or do you have any insight as to why some of them don't want to do an attrition clause? So I think it really just comes down to demand and forecasted demand on a per property basis. Mm -hmm. And actually on one of the room blocks that we partnered on recently, Mm -hmm. I found one hotel that only Mm -hmm. booked it with attrition. Their pricing was much Mm -hmm. higher. 
another hotel was right. completely fine with doing a courtesy block. Both room blocks are for the mm-hmm. same amount of rooms and the same dates mm-hmm. and in the same of a general region as well. Right. So I'm sure that it right. really just comes down to, you know, certain properties, you know, maybe it's everybody going to X winery stays here all the time, all summer long. We know that the demand is going right. to be there. So it's not really in their benefit as much to offer group Mm -hmm. pricing or to offer as much flexibility to their group clients just because they're getting so much individual transient travel. So I think that's really what it comes down to. So along Mm -hmm. that line, it probably is beneficial to seek out hotels that really want and need group business because they'll also probably take care of your attendees a lot Mm -hmm. better, be a lot more cognizant of the group's needs. Of the group itself. Right. I think that's a really good point. Awesome. Great. So I think that was our three tips. And then you have one final tip, right? So my last tip kind of summarizes everything that I've been talking about until this point, but it's to really ask for the world during your contracting phase. There are so many different perks Mm -hmm. that hotels are willing to offer you if you ask for it. The worst case scenario is that they'll Mm -hmm. say no. And something as complicated as your round trip transportation between the hotel and the venue, some hotels will even throw that in Mm -hmm. for free. Obviously, Mm -hmm. if you have a 10 room room block, that probably won't happen. But if you're dealing with a large event, there's a lot of different Mm -hmm. coordination that's involved in it. Feel free to really ask for anything that you want, even complimentary rooms for the wedding couple, complimentary Mm -hmm. rooms for the parents of the bride and parents of the groom, Mm -hmm. those kinds of aspects, whatever, you know, stresses that you have. Just have Mm -hmm. an open conversation with the property and see what they can do for you. I love that. One of my first jobs was in development and it was in fundraising. And you don't ask, if you don't get, you don't receive. So always ask because, again, like the worst thing that they can do is say no, and which is fine. That's that's fine too. Awesome. This was so helpful. This is amazing. So let's summarize what the tips were. Can you remind us again one more time? Absolutely. So, number one, protect yourself in terms of pricing and fees. Find an attrition or courtesy block agreement that works for you and your needs. Number Mm -hmm. two is gain points on your reservations for all of the rooms inside of your block. Ask your hotel about single, double, or even triple multiples of rewards points and what they can offer. Book as early as possible was number three, especially Mm -hmm. coming out of the pandemic because there's just so much demand and events coming down the pipeline. And the wrap up kind of final tip of the day was just ask for anything that you could possibly need and have an open conversation with the hotel. If this is all about a push-pull partnership between you and the mm-hmm. property and you know, give them the chance to really work with your needs and express those to them. Awesome. I love this. Or you could just work with Daniel at Invictus Travel Advisors and he'll do all of this for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. A, travel, a travel advisor, a meeting planner can, can do that for you. And I, I definitely can. <laughs> awesome. So is there anything else you wanted to add or that we haven't covered that or maybe something surprising that you feel like a lot of couples aren't thinking about, but something that you wanted to share that is maybe something like less known that would benefit our listeners? Well, I think specifically with the Finger Lakes region, I think you kind mm-hmm. of mentioned it before, but there are branded properties in the Finger Lakes. But I think that, you know, the kind of diamond in the rough properties mm-hmm. and locations, and I'm sure it's the same with event venues as well, are those mm-hmm. independent properties. And I guess I'll do a little bit of a shout out to Inns of Aurora and Aurora, New York amazing, amazing property. Love them. It's mm-hmm. kind of a collection of little houses and really unique places. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. obviously not a branded property. It's not a part of mm-hmm. a Marriott or a Hilton or something like that, but it's absolutely fantastic. And it's something that a meeting planner or a travel partner would be able to tell you about. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't necessarily find, you know, diamond properties like that mm-hmm. on your own. For sure. Yeah, definitely have an open mind and working with a professional like your eyes definitely going to 
lead you to those gems that you would have no idea that because they're not on the radar, but they're absolutely exceptional. And I do love the Inns of Aurora for sure. This was such a great conversation. I feel like you gave us some really, really awesome tips, Daniel. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up the interview, I want to ask you one last question, which I ask all of our guests. And that is, you know, because I believe that life's really too short to waste it on moments without meaning or that give us joy. So what gives you the most joy or are the most meaningful to you? So with my clients, I absolutely love finding solutions for them that are really creative and unique and bonus points if I've never even done it before. So if it's finding them a new hotel property or a brand that they've never experienced before Mm -hmm. that I just know that they'll love, or maybe it's an up and coming location, a new build, Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are asking for accommodations that are, you know, as close to the Maldives as possible. But Mm -hmm. for example, they have new build properties in Jamaica that are those Mm -hmm. overwater bungalows, and they're Mm -hmm. way more cost effective than actually Mm -hmm. going to the Maldives. So, you know, (laughs) providing something like that to somebody that didn't know that that was even Mm -hmm. happening, or maybe it's Mm -hmm. someone that is really focused on environmental sustainability, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that, that's becoming more and more important lately, um, and Mm -hmm. figuring out ways that, you know, they can really be sustainable while they travel and enjoy various destinations. That's what really makes me happy. And just seeing the reactions after the trip goes really, really well. Oh my God. I love it. That is amazing. It was so awesome learning about all this and sharing this with our listeners. Thank you so much. Can you, before we go, can you share with our listeners, you know, more about Invictus Travel Advisors and then where they can find you guys online? Absolutely. So as we mentioned before, we are a boutique travel agency. We specialize Mm -hmm. in individual travel. We can do groups. We can do business travel. We really do it all. And you can find us at InvictusTravelAdvisors.com. You also can reach out to me directly through email with anything that you might need at daniel.carol at InvictusTravelAdvisors.com. Awesome. Perfect. And we'll make sure to link to this in the show notes. This was amazing, Daniel. Thank you so much. I already learned a lot of tips, which is awesome. <laughs> so thank you so much for you know sharing all of your knowledge with our listeners. And thanks for joining us on the show. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Desiree. It was a pleasure being here. Yeah, I'm so happy. We will definitely have a, more conversations for sure. I'm, I'm positive of it. So thank you again. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Carroll of Invictus Travel Advisors. Guys, weren't Daniel's tips amazing? The one about asking for double or triple rewards points was genius. Daniel's company works with properties all over. So if you want help, free help, might I add, with your wedding room block, make sure you reach out to him. He would love to hear from you and make sure you told him that you heard him on our podcast because I think he would love that too. Also, guys, if you want additional help when crafting those inquiry emails to vendors like your hotels or your transportation, catering, photography, all of that stuff, make sure you check out my wedding vendor email templates and interview questions. It's in the resource shop at shop.verbvenco.com. These email templates and interview scripts were made for you if you've ever sat down to email a vendor but didn't know what to ask. That's it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Next week's episode is another Wedding Wednesday tip, and episode 33 gives you super awesome insight on how to navigate the 2021 and 2022 wedding boom. Also guys, if you got a value from this episode, I would love it so much if you left me a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews are super crucial and helpful to us podcasters and help other couples find the show. Thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate you. That is it for today's episode. I will talk to you guys next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 